Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Are y'all ready to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9? Let's do it, because I know that you're there, either on your version or in your Bible that's in front of you, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Um, I, one of the things I love about sports is the press conference after games. I particularly enjoyed watching Bill Parcells, who coached the New York Giants, but then somehow or another ends up coaching the Dallas Cowboys. That makes no sense to me, but he did. Uh, and I loved watching this guy after a game because when they, cut, when they turned the mic on, you never knew what that guy was going to say. Now that said, probably my favorite press conference of all time came from a guy named Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards was the head coach of the New York Jets. Uh, the Jets have, I think, long been pretty horrible. Uh, if there's a Jet fan out there, you, you know it's true. Uh, they just haven't been good. Uh, and so years ago, he was the head coach of the Jets. And you know what happens in the press conferences? A lot of times a question gets asked that just makes no sense, right? And so he was giving, he was giving an answer to a question and I just wanted you to watch his answer this morning. Take a look. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Because it matters. Well, there you have it. Imagine being that reporter and this thing. Now, next week, after the game, we're going to be asking questions again. That reporter was sort of like, I'm not. Why do, you, why do you play? You play to win the game. Now with the Jets, they weren't winning a lot of games, but why do you play? And the answer is to win. That is your goal. Do you know, he actually said something that's right in line with something that the Apostle Paul said and what we're gonna be reading today. Now, let me give you a bit of background so you'll understand what he's talking about. So there he was in Corinth, right? Uh, basically a pagan place. And they had, uh, every uh, couple of years, they had what was called the Isthmian Games, uh, second only in popularity, really, to the Olympic Games. Athletes, the best of the best throughout Greece, would converge on the Isthmian Games every two years during the spring. These games, just so you know, they were given in honor of Poseidon. For those that study Roman history, the counterpart is Neptune. Uh, And Poseidon was known as the Earth quaking God of the sea. In other words, you want to be in good stride with Poseidon. And especially since a lot of the trade for Corinth came off of the sea. It was an isthmus. The most prominent building in uh, Isthmia was a temple that was dedicated to Poseidon. There was also a stadium. There was a theater for people. There was even a thing called a hippodrome. For those of you that have seen the movie Ben-Hur, Anybody seen Ben-Hur? It basically is this kind of wide open thing where they could do chariot racing. And it wasn't just men. The women did it too at the Isthmian Games. Crazy. Uh, There was a small structure, just so you know, that was situated near uh, Poseidon's temple. And within this structure, the athlete would take an oath 
to abide by the rules of the game before the games began. If they broke the oath, they were disqualified from the games. And so they would raise their right hand and they would swear that they had not taken any performance enhancing herbs before they competed <laughs> or whatever. And if they found after some testing later that yes, you did, like they were disqualified from the games. Now, here's the other interesting thing. There were no, have you ever noticed that, that uh, nowadays they will, they will build hotels and things and you're, well, the Olympics are coming. And they'll build all of these structures for the Olympics or after A&M, Texas A&M, when they joined the SEC, all these hotels get built in College Station. It just explodes, right? Well, here's the thing, in Corinth, that didn't happen. So the games were gonna be coming in like every other year and where would people stay? And the answer is in tents. They'd just sleep in tents and get up and then they'd go watch the games. I know, you, you would do the same thing, right? Now, why am I telling you this? Is because Paul, previously in this letter to the church at Corinth, said there were a couple of things that for the advancement of the gospel, I had every right to, every right, but I passed on it so that I could do the work that God had portioned for me. One of those things he said, he said, I've passed on a wife and a family so that I would be free for the work of the gospel. I have, I have also passed, he said, on money. I didn't expect you to support me in this ministry because there were people in Corinth that were walking around and saying, yeah, what these guys really are is shysters. They've made up this story about the resurrection of Jesus so that you can pay them money. And Paul goes, keep your money, I'll give you Jesus. A pass. Well, then how was he living? And the answer is, he was a tent maker. So you have all these people pouring into Corinth, right? Where are they gonna stay? Well, not the Holiday Inn, they don't have it. They stay in tents. And so this helped basically fund the ministry of Paul and those that were serving alongside him so that he could basically make his money, make his living so that he could eat and do what he had to do. All of this kind of comes together in the history of this little letter that we're studying to the church at Corinth. Now, with that in mind, let's take a look at what he wants to say to them and to us today, starting in verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, this is where Herm Edwards comes in. You play to win the game, right? Run in a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. All of this imagery, he gives two metaphors. One is boxing, the other is running. And all of these metaphors are because everybody in Corinth knows what's up at the Isthmian Games. They get it. They watch it. So he draws from them, running and boxing. The best athletes, he points out, they exhibit self-control. They master their body. They do not let their body master them. The Greek word that Paul used for self-control in verse 25 referred to athletes in his day. They abstained from unhealthy food. 
They abstained from alcohol. They would even abstain from sexual relations with uh, their spouses so that their body was absolutely devoted to what they had portioned for them as they were competing. They wanted to be at full capacity for victory. Uh, the participants, they controlled their actions and improved themselves over time for a prize that he's, the athletes, what did they compete for? What did they compete for? A little cash and a wreath. Now think of all the work, all of that work. It's like, here's a little cash, here's a wreath for your head. Running and boxing. Now back then, just so you know, the runners, let's start with them, the runners. Do I have any runners in here? I used to, but I got shin splints and I'm like, I'm done. So I retired a long time ago. Uh, the runners were kind of the popular ones. Now it's like in football, you go, who's gonna be the popular ones? You know, it's probably gonna be the quarterback, right? Is it gonna be the offensive lineman? Probably should be, right? But we tend to kind of elevate uh, the quarterback. The runners were kind of the quarterback of the day. They were the popular ones. And here was the reason. Uh, it goes back to what happened at the Olympic Games. At the Olympic Games, when they started, really there was one thing that happened and there was running that was going on. And you would have tens of thousands of people that would come and watch them run. There were about 20 people maybe or so that were invited to compete. And the, as they were running, the people, ah, you know, people are going absolutely wild, just like they do at, at games now. The people were going absolutely wild. And Paul says, see, we draw on that metaphor first. We draw on that one first, running. Running first, it takes tremendous conditioning to do it. Your body has to be fit and in shape. You have to be, if you're trying to run a hundred yard dash, you need to be going, be able to go a whole lot further than that. You have whipped your body into shape for the event, but also there's the celebration of what you've accomplished. There's the people that are there that are cheering you on. He says, that's a metaphor for what it is like to actually follow Jesus. For some of us, it's the discipline and the self-control with what we do with ourselves and how we celebrate one another as we advance in what we're doing as we follow Jesus. That's one. That's one image. Here's another one. Boxing. I was going to say, do we have any boxers out there? And I've said that once before when I was studying this, and I didn't have one. And so I'm going to guess we don't have any boxers out there today. But they did here. You have to understand with boxing, especially in Corinth, it was violent. It wasn't, let's put on these really cushioned gloves, which still hurts, by the way, but it wasn't anything like that. It was dangerous, and some even said it was almost inhumane what these guys did to each other. And Paul says this, yeah, and following Jesus is a lot like that. Let me give you a description of the way that boxing was described at the Isthmian Games. This is the boxer who doesn't shy away from his opponent like a shadow boxer, like literally where you're dodging shadows, you're not actually getting hit, but rather engages him to the finish. In, in the Olympics, boxing became the most brutal of all of the sports, and the same for the Isthmian Games. The boxer would wrap his knuckles with leather straps. In, in the Roman competition, which Corinth borrowed from, by the way, um, in the Roman competition, uh, the, they incorporated in, in the straps, they put lead, iron, and spikes and wrapped it around both hands and said, let's go to battle. And of course, the people are just piling in. To watch. It's almost like this movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme when he was, had to put his hands into glass and he was fighting. I thought, it's kind of like that. All of that was wrapped around their fists as they went in to fight. 
The athletes boxed, sometimes up to four hours. By the way, there was no bell. There was no go to your corner. It was they started and they started fighting. Sometimes up to four hours until one competitor was knocked out or until one boxer, I quote, signaled defeat by raising an index finger. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) That was it. So either you're on the ground. Now imagine, what do you think they looked like on their face? What do you think they looked like on their body as they were being hit, not just by a fist, but basically with shrapnel? These guys were absolutely torn to shreds. And Paul says this, and that's another metaphor for what it's like walking with Jesus. It is going to take a toll on you. Now, let me, let me give you a little bit of background uh, from the book of Acts. I'm just going to talk you through this because what you're going to see is this theme for Paul. You see it through all of his letters, but it comes from a place in his life. In Acts chapter 20, after a lot of church planting, uh, Paul feels called to Rome to preach Jesus to Caesar. Oh, my. I'm going to go give the Caesar Jesus. How well do you think that's going to go? This is a man who claims to rule and own the world. And even on their coins, there was a motto in Rome, Caesar is the Lord. And on the back of the coin, he was called the son of God, the ruler of the world and the son of God. And Paul's going to be like, I need to go talk to you. Paul wants an audience with him so that he can provide, he sees as a needed correction. If you look in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23, he says, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every other city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, watch, is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Finish the what? Race. Finish it. So what happens to Paul? He says, the Holy Spirit has already put this in my heart. I'm going to have some hard days. It's not going to go well. And the Holy Spirit did not lie to Paul. And because what he saw, he was in chains. There were times where literally he was chained to a guard. He was not a freed man. We knew that he was hungry. He was thirsty. We knew that he was beaten. Uh, There was one time in his life he was beaten so badly, everybody thought he was dead. They carried him outside of the gates of the city, dropped his body there. Even his followers were standing over and going, oh my gosh, Paul is dead. And then he sits up and he's like, we're going back in. We won't quit. That's Paul. So you see this. But then you see this at the end of the book of Acts. Paul is in Rome. What did he say? I want to talk to the Caesar. And at the end of the book of Acts, Paul is in Rome, which is the center of the empire, preaching the gospel to the Romans. And while there, he writes a letter called Philippians. Some of you have heard it. And the letter to Philippians begins like this in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He says, what has happened to me, all the suffering, all the chains, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It's become, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. I'm in chains, but guess what I'm doing? Well, we're hooked to each other. Let's have a conversation. And the whole palace guard is hearing the gospel because and through his suffering. 
He says, I considered myself nothing and this worth everything. It's amazing. And then, here's the way the, that, that, that it ends. It ends like this. If you look at, at chapter four, verses 21 to 23 in Philippians, he says, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. Pay attention. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. How did it begin? With suffering. How did it end? I want to take the gospel to Caesar and his house. How did the letter to Philippians end? So here I am, and they're hearing it now. He finished. He completed it. And through everything, he finished. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been at a place spiritually in your life where you were on a good, you were on a good track, only later to look, and you go, I was doing really well. I mean, what happened? Have you ever been there spiritually? I have. What happened to me? How did, I, how did I get here? Last year seemed to be all right. This year spiritually is a wreck. How did you get there? Here's what Paul would say to you today. Get back on track. Start running again. Start running. He gives this caution, some things that I like to call slippage. You know, you just kind of slip in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, he says this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And it is. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And that's just one example. How did I get here? Well, I don't know. What were you focusing on? And it probably is piercing you with many griefs. But then he goes on in verse 11. He says, but you, man of God, flee from this stuff. Pursue something else. To go for it. Run. Run for it. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue endurance. And pursue gentleness. Run for that stuff. In other words, you might be on the wrong track. Get on the right track and start running for it. And then he says this in verse 12. And this image comes up again. He says, fight the good fight of faith. You see it there? He keeps coming back. Fight. Fight back. Spiritually. Hands up. Start throwing some punches. Fight for your faith. Go for it. And then think about this. As you look over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is the last chapter of Paul's life. And he knows it. He knows he's about to be killed. He knows it. He probably writes this in prison in Rome, about to stand in front of the Caesar. What was one of his goals? I want to talk to that man. Well, he made it to Rome. And he says this to Timothy. Some of his last words. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also all who have longed for his appearing. It could be for all of you. This is what you have to understand. First Corinthians was one of Paul's first letters. Second Timothy is his last he uses the exact same analogies in each about what a worthy life looks like. He never changes it. This is what it looks like. At the beginning, he sets his goals, and at the end, he says, I finished. In other words, I'm done. I did it. I did it. So when you go back to 1 Corinthians 9, this is why it's important for us today. Some things that, things that I want you to kind of set in your heart. For those of you that are note takers, 
phone people, take a picture of the screen, whatever it is that helps you. There's some things that I want you to write down today on why this matters for us. How do we do it? Lots of running, lots of boxing. One gets the prize. Here's really the focus. Run in a way that you get the prize. Run in a way that you get the prize. Here's a few thoughts on how you do it. How do you run well? How do you fight well? Here's the first. One is focus. One is focus. Focus, focus, focus. Did you notice what he said in this? I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I have goals. I know where I'm headed. There's another translation that says, I do not run like a person with no goals. Great translation. You want a surefire way to get nowhere spiritually? Be goalless. Be aimless. It's like the old saying, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way. That doesn't work. Or ready, fire, aim. It doesn't work. And spiritually, this is exactly how a lot of people live. No goals. No purpose. There's no aim. It's just spiritual floating and hoping that something great happens. And Paul's like, it doesn't work like that. We beat our body into shape. You beat your soul into shape. It takes discipline. You fight for it. It's a fight. What's your mind diet? That's a fair question. Like literally, what are you feeding your soul? That's probably what you're focused on. Paul says, what are your goals? What is your focus? Here's the second. This is going to take hard work and it's going to take self-discipline. You saw this in verse 25. I go into strict training. Ever done any strict training? MMA fighters, they have very specific uh, weights that they have to meet. Otherwise, they're not going to be allowed to fight. Not too long ago, there was one that was slightly off. I think it was by like a pound, if I remember right. And they're like, sorry, the fight's off. What did he do? He actually went in. uh, He was taking diuretics so that he would go to the bathroom more (laughs) so that they would actually reweigh him so that he would qualify for the fight. I'm not necessarily recommending that. But I am saying he's making the point that it is going to be a matter of hard work. I, I actually got a message. My family and I, we're members at the Y. And I actually got a message from the Y this past week that says, we haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> I was like, oh, the Y's all judgy today. Things have been going on. <laughs> but you know what? When I heard it, I thought, uh, yeah, actually, you haven't seen me in a while. Maybe it's time to go. Maybe it's time to go. See, if you want character, you have to fight for that. If you want godliness, you have to work for that. If you want to defeat hate in your heart and fill yourself with love, you're going to have to fight for that. Learning to say no to cravings and desires that are no good for you, you're going to have to fight through that. That's just the reality. Let me give you an example. The average American, it seems, watches three hours of TV a day Three hours of TV a day, that's average. Uh, Some are obviously more. I wanna make a suggestion. We have more time than we think. (laughs) Yeah, three hours a day. Now let's do some math. If you do the math, what this means is that the average uh, life is watching 10 years of TV. That's a lot of time. Now some of you are like, that's not me. Good for you. Stay on the track and keep running the race. Others of you are like, three, I'm at eight. Well, (laughs) We judge you in our hearts. (laughs) I'm kidding. What did Paul give up? Money, marriage, 
Even what he would be willing to eat or drink if it would hinder the work of the gospel. Question is, what are you willing to give up? What are the sacrifices that you would make that the work of God can be done in and, th and through you? And this requires the next thing. You have to stick to it. You have to stick to it. Remember what Paul said? I finished the race. That's sticking to it. That's crossing the finish line. We have this encouragement in Hebrews 12. Run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. For some of us, it's not a matter of you need to get going. For some of us, it's a matter of you need to keep going. You're kind of finding the end of your spiritual resources and you're struggling. And here's what Paul's saying. Keep going. Keep running. I remember talking to some moms after they had their kids and they're like, you know, before we had a kid, I could actually get in the word every now and again. That was great. Now I can't. And I'm like, five minutes is better than nothing. Your reality changed. That's all right. The Lord understands. Keep going. Keep going. For some of you, that needs to be what you hear. Years ago, Dan Jensen, I don't know if you remember him, uh, an Olympic athlete. I have a picture of him for you. He was always close to his sister. In fact, it was she who suggested that he become a speed skater. In, 1990, in 1988, sorry, his dream came true when he made it to the Winter Olympics in Calgary, Canada. With just hours to go with, to his first race, he was informed that his sister had died. And the news of her death just, just destroyed him. But he decided to compete anyway. His sister had encouraged him to be a speed skater. She had supported him through every step for his Olympic dream. And he said it's what she would have wanted. And as he raced across the ice that day, grief, he said, proved to be just a little too much. He fell in both of his races which of course dashed his hopes of winning the gold. Although he was grieved and defeated, Jansen decided that he was not gonna quit. He continued to chase the gold. In 1992, he came back to the Winter Olympics hoping to win, but he didn't. Still undeterred, he's set to train for the next Olympic Games. I mean, this guy has some fight. And finally, in 1994, all of his effort paid off. He not only won the gold in the 1,000 meter, he set a world record. Why did he succeed? And he would be the first to tell you, is because he didn't quit. It's because he didn't give up. Despite all of the setbacks, he said, I pressed toward the prize. I just kept fighting. Likewise, Christians, don't give up. Do not give up. We keep pressing forward. Despite setbacks, which I know you have, roadblocks, which I know you have, distractions, which I know you have, you must, as Paul says, run the race of the Christian life to win the prize. Run so that you get it. And this is why, and this is the last point, is because we're hopeful. Don't ever forget you're hopeful. In the journey, in the struggle, there is hope that is in front of you. Uh, these, these, these folks in the Isthmian Games, I know you're wondering what was their prize, and the answer was maybe about 100 drachmas, not a ton, and a pine wreath on your head, and, and people thinking you're great, right? And Paul says nothing wrong with that. It's just there's an important difference here. Our crown is forever. Our crown is forever. Here's the thing that I've always wondered. What are the crowns then? 
I mean, if it's not like a wreath on your head and here's some cash, because probably not gonna need that in heaven, right? What is it? It's a little tough to know. Scripture doesn't exactly spell this out that clearly, but there are two examples that we find in Matthew chapter 25. What does it look like to be rewarded by your Lord? What does it mean? What does it look like when you see him? One, in Matthew 25, 23, is he honors you. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's one. But in the very same verse, the reward might be more work. And here's some more for you. Because it says, you have been faithful over a few things. Now I'll put you in charge of many things. Well done. I love this passage for a number of reasons. Uh, One is it's challenging, and I like a good challenge. But it's also clarifying for us. We want to spend a little bit of time in prayer But there's something that I want to remind you of today. Every single person in this room, every person that's watching online, every single one of us is a person of faith. It's just a fact. Faith literally just means you put your trust or your confidence in. That's what it means. I put my faith, my trust or confidence in Jesus Christ. Something that's outside of me, right? But your faith is only as good as the substance of what you're putting your faith in. Did you hear what I just said? Your faith is only as good as the substance of what you are putting your faith in. And I think what some of you have probably been experiencing is that you have spent extraordinary trust and confidence in things that fail you. I'm encouraging you this morning to put your trust in someone who never will. Never will. Jesus shoots straight. In this world, you will have trouble. Believe him. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Believe him. Believe him. So just as a reminder, my friends, what are the ways that we do it? We keep our focus. We work hard. We stick to it, and we're hopeful through the whole thing. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.